Hello, and welcome to the What's Next podcast. My name is Liz Smith, owner of Liz Smith Law, and on this show, I share conversations to investigate building and leaving your legacy, estate planning for young families, supporting aging loved ones and parents, and other topics around aging, death, and other life transitions that will affect each of us. This is your source for hard-to-find resources in Southeast Alaska and beyond. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to get each and every episode of our show. Hi, and welcome to What's Next. With me is my guest today, uh, as my guest today is Jaylene Bidlin. She is the founder and owner of Jaylene's Alaska, which she will tell us all about what they do, uh, what she does in her business. And Jaylene is known as the whale whisperer by our dear paralegal, Isabel Lee. And I'm really excited for this conversation with her today. I am, instead of reading an introduction, we're just gonna dive into how she got started in the business. And that's her story is really what we're gonna cover throughout this podcast. And then also get into what it's like. She does tour operations as we'll get into uh, what it has been like for her uh, during COVID pandemic as well. So, Jaylene, let's start with, uh, I hear that as a young child, you were forced to live on a remote island. Yes, force is a good word. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, it, uh, yes, so um, I was born and raised here in Juneau. Uh, my family has been here a really long time, and through my mom's side, I'm actually a fourth generation Junoite. So my family has continued to live here through all these years. And my parents were living in Juneau proper and just for a variety of reasons decided to get out of town and to move um, to Shelter Island, which a lot of locals know as um, right across from Lena. So about one mile at its closest point from town. Um, And they moved to the other side of shelter. So it's basically about an eight mile boat ride. Um, so we picked up and we moved from the town of Juneau to this eight mile away piece of paradise on Shelter Island. So I was eight when we moved out there full time. Um, Did it and feel like, like paradise to you at that point in your life? It was a little like, I really loved it at that age, actually. Um, It felt like we were, we got pulled out of public school. We were homeschooled at that point. And there was all of a sudden all this independence and we were encouraged to spend a lot of time outside and to kind of enjoy the world around us. So when I was eight, that was amazing. When we first moved out there. Um, Yeah, it was quite the change though. Even at eight, it was like, oh, we're not, we're not going back <laughs> to town or to public school. Like this is now how we live our lives. <laughs> so um, I think there was a little bit of a transition, but you know, an eight-year-old's dream. And then as time went on into high school, it got a little bit more complicated, less social interactions, being out on the island all the time. But as a young kid, it was pretty cool. What brought your parents to decide to move to shelter full time? It was um, the cost of living in Juno, I think is just pretty um, it's pretty high. And my mom just really felt 
drawn to being at home and with my brother and I, her two kids, and to be there as much as she could. And um, our family was just kind of, I think, overall, just kind of struggling to have one parent at home all the time. Um, And living out on the island, you do a lot of it yourself, you know, so we were completely off the grid. So there was no water um, or utility bills, no electricity bills, everything. We kind of had control of ourselves. Um, And then I think at the end of the day, when you can't run to the grocery store every second for anything that you need, you kind of learn to use the resources that you have. And it basically, I think, just kind of reset our family um, a little bit too. And my parents, um, within the next couple of years of moving and living out there, started their own company, became entrepreneurs. And that was really the key for them to be able to live the lifestyle that they wanted was entrepreneurship. Interesting. And and so when initially when you moved out, it sounds like I'm guessing your mother was aiming to be stay-at-home mom. Yeah. And yeah. and it was your dad when you first moved out, was he commuting at the beginning? <laughs> yeah. So um they for a little while everyone was just at home. There was a lot of stuff that needed to get figured out to iron out remote living. Uh, my dad went down south and went to the first, like one of the first actual solar schools down in Oregon to learn how to put up solar panels and create a remote electrical system that would run efficiently and be able to kind of power everything we needed without having to run a diesel generator the whole time. Um, and so there was kind of that a little bit of startup just for the remote living to learn how to do that. And so it was a couple of years of everyone just being at home. And then after that, dad did commute. Um, he worked for a local uh, surveying company here in Juneau um, that let him commute from Shelter Island. And so that was crazy, especially in the winter. My dad, who is at a very experienced very confident captain and has been for basically his whole life was commuting by radar in winter storms in snowstorms before it got light every morning and was coming back in the evening at when it was dark already (laughs) and he did that for a couple seasons a couple winters before we kind of all collectively decided that that was not probably the safest thing to do (laughs) and so there had to be another way to make a living (laughs) we'll come back to what they ended up doing but I want to go back actually because I'm surprised to hear that that solar was a big part of your plan was that were you able to run or yeah are they still out there I know you so my my parents lived out on Shelter Island all the way up until uh, September of 2021. So just this last September, um, they just recently moved to Gustavus, Alaska, um, still searching for kind of that remote feeling, um, but also just having some amenities that comes from living in a small town. Um, and so, yeah, actually solar is a huge part of our electricity system um, or electrical system. Um, They, in the winter, 
not the most uh, resourceful <laughs> way of getting electricity, but in the fall, uh, or sorry, spring, summer, fall, we actually had an array big enough that we would be able to run everything in our household and more on a decent day. Um, solar was a huge part of what made it all possible. And then in the winter, not so much. So we would run the diesel generator usually about an hour in the morning and an hour in the evening. But if we got any sun at all in the winter, you know, any sort of brightness, those days uh, we were still able to pull um, solar power. And solar panels can be a little bit more efficient when it's cooler out. And so, yeah, it's kind of surprising in dark, dreary Southeast Alaska that solar was a huge part of it. Ah, so you, you, live, you grew up out there from age eight um, and you had a brother as well, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Younger than you? Yes, Jason is four years younger. So he was two when you went mm -hmm. out. All right. Uh, what else might surprise someone living in Juneau about life just an eight mile boat ride away? Um, there is a lot of, well, it's just a lot of work, <laughs> like just plain and simple. Like it is just a lot of work. Um, like my dad likes to run through like just to give an idea of what it took for us to go to the grocery store like we would leave the cabin put our boat in the water with a John Deere tractor that we had that was like 20 years old that was just enough to get like our boat down the rocky beach you know and put it, it put the boat in the water we'd drive eight miles which took about 30 minutes on a halfway decent day into Ock Bay We'd haul all of our Rubbermaid totes that we brought in to store groceries that we were then going to come back with later. And we would haul those up to the top of the boat ramp, go get the car, load all those things in the car, go to the grocery store, get all of our groceries at various stores, load them in the Rubbermaid totes and do it all in reverse, you know, and then end up with back at the beach taking those Rubbermaid totes out, putting them on four wheelers, running them up to the cabin, offloading. So like in the winter when daylight is a huge resource that just really isn't around, we would get up as soon as it was starting to get light, head into town and be back right as it was getting dark again around 3.30. How often do you make the trip? So we would strive for every two weeks, but in the winter, like we would be stuck out on the island for up to a month and a half um, in the middle of winter, at least once a year. And that would, could be a combination of how truly rough the waters were, but if the temperatures were really uh, cold, then even a halfway decent day with higher temperatures could result in freezing spray um with the lower temperatures and so we would freezing spray is just really dangerous in smaller boats and so we would choose not to go into town on those days and kind of a combination of everything the weather can be nasty here <laughs> and and then that's when cabin fever would really set in is you know when you're out in the island for a month and a half and haven't seen anyone but your parents for 
<laughs> that long. <laughs> and I was going to ask if you ever saw, because I know other people live on Shelter Island. Did you see them ever, like in the summer, or was it, were you just isolated in your spot? It wasn't so much that we were like truly isolated, but that all, it seemed like all the other families and individuals had things that they were doing in the summer. Like my family chose to run a whale watching company. Um, our closest neighbors ran a lodge for many years. Um, then there was uh, the fishing lodge. And so people were, were doing things or trying to make uh, their living while they could in the summer. And then in the winter, everyone would kind of just <laughs> turn into, I mean, just kind of deflate from working so hard all summer and rest up. And so we would see them occasionally. Um, but I feel like a lot of people that live out on the island move there because they would like to be more or less by themselves most of the time, you know? <laughs> right. um, so it wasn't an all the time thing, but we do, we did get to know our neighbors well um, over the years. <laughs> I'd imagine it could be really helpful to have, have relationships, yes. even if it's not getting together for game night every Saturday. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And it was, and that's when they really pulled together was when, um, when we needed help getting to town or when someone needed a medical, uh, to be run into town for medical reasons. Like if it was for important emergency reasons, man, people showed up and it was a, it was a community that otherwise didn't, that we didn't really, uh, you know, hang out with every day, but boy, like, I guess friendships really got created by some of those like emergency kind of situations. Yeah. Was there ever, I mean, I imagine there were a lot of times where you weren't particularly comfortable or there were problems that you had to deal with. Were there times that you ever got any, any scared of something or any, um, yeah, um, as a kid, like, m my dad just had so much confidence, like, I remember, like, looking back, like, now as an adult, like, because, uh, being the oldest, and I really loved doing whatever dad was doing, like, hunting, fishing, hiking, boating, you name it, I love to do it, uh, because I loved hanging out with my dad, and, uh, so a lot of times because I knew how to do these things and dad needed help or all four of us were doing our part to get the boat in the water when it was rough or, you know, some situations like that. My dad was so confident. It really just didn't leave any room to be afraid. Like now as an adult looking back at like 12 year old me, I'm like, so I wasn't freaked out, <laughs> you know, like I just went into this situation thinking nothing can go wrong and nothing did, you know, it's just kind of, I think when there's, and then dad always had this phrase, like, um, like, well, what's the worst that could happen, you know? And it's like, <laughs> we'll, we'll figure it out if the worst happens, you know? And so it just didn't leave a lot of room for being scared. And gosh, there were just situations where like at 12 years old, like it was before Thanksgiving, we were almost out of food. We had been out on the island for a month and not truly out of food, but like 
good food. You know, like it was almost Thanksgiving. Like we were all kind of a little bit tired of eating like rice and stuff from the freezer. (laughs) You know, like we were looking for more of like a Thanksgiving type of dinner. And so there was a tiny break in the storm. It was still pretty nasty. And dad's like, Jillian, I think you and I can do it, you know, and but I'm going to need your help. And so mom and Jason stayed on the island because it's important to have someone to stay there when the temperatures are so cold to keep the fire going, to make sure pipes don't freeze. It's just constant when you have a fire place as your main heat source, it's a constant feeding the fire. So they decided to stay there at the house and dad was like, Jillian, I think we can do this. We're going to, we're going to head into town. So he put me in the boat on the boat trailer and then back down the boat down our landing to put the boat in the water. So he's driving the boat down. I'm in the boat at 12 and he pushes me out like, and says, okay, go out there, start up the engine, put it in reverse and go out there and go hang out in front of the house till I'm ready. And so I had a cell phone. I had my mom's cell phone at the time. And I'm, I'm waiting. So I'm like, okay, so, you know, ready to go. Boats off the trailer, start up the engine, back it up. And waves are coming in the back of the boat. You know, it's still kind of nasty. And, and he's like, uh, so he pulls the boat forward. And it's rougher than we thought. And I'm out there in the boat. And so I get this call. And he goes, it's too rough to come back to shore. You're going to have to meet me on the other side of the island. I'm like, okay. So I get the boat out and head around the other side of the island about a mile to where it's a little bit calmer and then go pick dad up on the shore and we head into town and we go get all the groceries and come back and we were able to have a great Thanksgiving, you know, but at 12, <laughs> I think like in from as an adult looking back, like I felt completely confident as a 12 year old, but I feel like, should I have been that confident? <laughs> I guess it all worked out. <laughs> so I guess well, not so like much. You should. I mean, that's such, you know, most 12 year olds wouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, anyway. If you doubt yourself, that's when you run into trouble, as they say, right? At some right. <laughs> right. I mean, so, yeah. It was a long way to answer your question, but no, it was like common to be put in situations like that as a kid for both my brother and I. and. I don't know how my brother felt, but I don't remember feeling a lot of fear, really. Well, that, I mean, I can just imagine, right? So you do whale watching today as your business, and we'll get more into today, but I can really, what a, what a transition and what, um, I was going to say confidence builder, but really skill builder for, for being on Southeast Alaska waters. Um, talk to us. You mentioned that your parents started a business and then you mentioned they had a whale watching business. So connecting the dots, I'm guessing that that's what they started and were working in. And um, tell us about them getting that started. And I gather that you were an active participant from a young age in the business. Yeah, no. And that was actually, I really loved when they started the business. Um, they started it when I was 11 and then um, I didn't really start to get involved with it too much until I was about 12 but they decided to start a small six passenger whale watching company kind of 
looking for a more personalized experience for customers at the time back in the day there was really only Alan Marine and um and a couple of other medium-sized companies but no one was really offering a whale watching experience for a personalized six passenger boat and so they decided to kind of go in that direction and um and what they didn't really take off at the time like it it takes you know as I think that anyone who's kind of looking into going into business kind of does a little bit of research and typically it'll take you know uh three to five years to really get your feet under you to get a good client base to get known and so the first few years they offered sport fishing as well um and so when dad got a sport fishing trip he needed someone to drive the boat while he worked uh the salmon or halibut gear in the back um and so that's where I came and I got to be the crew so I would drive the boat and it was like for me I really loved going out on the tours and meeting people from all over and seeing their eyes pop out when the 12 year old got behind the wheel of the boat, you know, that was just like so much fun for me. (laughs) And it wasn't like I was made to work for them. Like I really wanted to go out on these tours and I wanted to meet people and I loved doing it. Um, And that's what really kind of built the skill behind tours. Um, My parents grew their company very quickly. It actually ended up taking off. Um, And they actually sold it um, about seven years later um, when I was about 18 or 19. Um, And they um, had grown it up at that point to three six-passenger boats and one 12-passenger boat. Um, And it was, yeah, a really good business move for them. Um, Once they sold the business, it was... um, I, I kind of had to decide what I was going to do <laughs> with my life after college. And I think just like, just the natural progression was that, um, you know, I would start some sort of business and I really, really liked the six passenger kind of feeling and, and the feeling of entrepreneurship and being in control. So, Yeah. <laughs> It okay, kind of like so talk about your business and and your your path. So you you worked in their business. It sounds like though from around twelve to did you stay all the way through high school and help them out? Yeah. So I like was like on volunteer. You know, when I was little, <laughs> you know, like I was like I would volunteer myself to work. I started truly like being put on the schedule and like working full hours when I was about sixteen. Um. And and that at that time they got their 12 passenger vessel. Um, and so I was actually enlisted as crew member. Um, because the bigger vessels need a true crew member to be on board plus the captain. The six passenger boats, it's not required. Um, it, a captain can run the whole trip um through US Coast Guard regulations. Um so I was truly not needed at times. <laughs> and I would just invite myself to go on the tours um, when I was younger. Um, but yeah, so then uh, at 16, I was put on the books and I was really uh, showing up for every tour and working full hours for them, um, work to a full season and still loved it at that point and worked for them all the way till they sold the company. 
Tell me about Wildlife Wednesday. Yeah, we we got invited to do Wildlife Wednesdays. And then I think we did a fireside chat as well. And my dad and I really, really got into photography during this um, kind of whale watching growth um, with the business and both really got into photography. And so that was another thing that really drew me to the tours was that I got to bring out my camera. I got to take pictures um, and I got to hang out with dad. And so um, we would, or he would come home from work doing tours and then pick me up at the Island and we'd go out and take pictures after he got off work. And so we had a collection of all these whales that um, the underside of a humpback whales fluke is unique to each individual whale, the markings. Um, and so we got to know some of the whales and got to know their names and their personalities. And so for Wildlife Wednesdays, we highlighted, or the Wildlife Wednesday that we did, we highlighted 10 different whales and their personalities and what we had noticed over the last few years of watching them. Um, so that was really a wonderful way to kind of um, show uh, our photos and connect with the community and to kind of um, bring information about our local whales to the community too. Nice. And was that, so that was in person then? Yeah. So that was in person. Mm -hmm. So we, we stayed in town at a family member's house <laughs> for <laughs> Wildlife Wednesday. Yeah. Perfect. All right. So then did you leave town for college? I did. Well, kind of didn't go too far, but um, I did my first, <laughs> I did my first year here in Juneau and then I transferred up to Fairbanks, Alaska. And then when and, and how did you decide to open your own business? When I graduated from Fairbanks, um, I graduated with a communications degree and then um, with a minor in business. Um, and I was really, had kind of had in the back of my mind that I would like to do something on boats. Um, and when I graduated, it just really came down to kind of deciding that. And I was like, man, I just, I think I just really want to start <laughs> a whale watching business and to get back into it. And so uh, that's what I did. I bought a boat, um, <laughs> went into major debt at 22 and um started the business in October of 2015. Right and you mentioned how challenging it was for your parents to really get it's just hard right when, like you said yeah. the business getting known and what was your experience like back in 2015 and you said when your parents started that there really weren't small boats running out of Juneau but I yeah. meant by 2015 there might have been more there definitely were. And there was a lot more competition for sure. Um, and I kind of went into it with the, just the understanding that I really wasn't going to put a lot of pressure on myself for the first five years. Like I was just gonna, my, my, <laughs> my, you know, like my business plan, like when you broke it all down, boiled it all down to like what the plan was, it was going to be, we're going to wonderful customer service. We are going to treat people the way we are going to be treated. And we are going to go watch whales. <laughs> and that was what we were going to do. <laughs> and, 
you know, I, the first years were really slow. Um, and I completely expected that and that was okay. Um, and, but by 2018, we really started to see a big, um, a big uptick in our tours. And in 2018, we actually bought a second boat with the company. Um, I really wasn't paying myself within the company at that point. We were just investing everything we were able to make year after year back into the company itself. Um, so we bought a second boat in 2018. And in 2019, we hired our first full-time employee. We had two boats running and that was our first season that it felt like, okay, this is plausible. We're going to make it. This is going to be great. And then in March of 2020, we had second thoughts about whether we would actually make it or not. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like you were just ramping up and um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> before the pandemic, um, what were the top two hurdles just to throw out something however you want to answer that to getting going and and I might actually ask that a different way in you know you saw your parents get going you saw that but you were still young at the time and yeah. so you might answer that by or I might say what surprised you about um starting were there any challenges that you didn't foresee so my parents ran a company in um a very uh like like the internet was just getting started um when my parents were running their company or starting their company i guess not just getting started but people were finding them like online so they had a website um but people were still calling in to make their reservations most of the time um or emailing and my mom had like everything printed in on paper, which makes sense. Like, I mean, it, there wasn't a lot of like resources for electronically keeping your filing safe, you know? Um, and so uh, when I first started the company, I was doing kind of the same, like what I had seen, I was printing out all the reservations to keep my records straight and I was keeping everything on hard copy. And I realized really quickly, like within the first, definitely the first uh, like six months to year that like with our resources of technology that just, we didn't need to do that anymore. Like we had so many more backups and so many more resources. And so um, that like learning how to switch everything online, like might sound like really like, of course, like that's what everyone's doing. But at the time when I was trying to learn to start this business, it, at the core, it started off with what my parents had what I had seen my parents do. And I think that was a really good start. It gave me the confidence to have a place to start, which I think a lot of people typically struggle with is and I would have definitely myself if I didn't have, if I hadn't had seen where they started and had that to go off of. Um, after that, and now like saying this out loud, it seems like, well, Duh, <laughs> you should have had it all electronic. But uh, that was surprising to me uh, that it was so easy to go onto um, technology and to have my calendar all integrated with my different um, devices and to have uh, resources like Square, who will do, you know, you can send out invoices, secure invoices to people to take payment, and that there's no more 
credit card machines or logging in credit cards individually. It's just very automated. Um, and we've continued to kind of move forward with that. And I think that's what our client base is really interested in too, is a mostly uh, tech-based uh, to make their reservation and to learn about you. They don't necessarily want to talk to you face-to-face or over the phone or even over email as much. They just would like to make the reservation and continue on planning the rest of their vacation, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think of that as I get started in my business as to how much it's an advantage that I am learning everything new, right? I didn't start firm where I was learning from someone else and that allows a fresh perspective. Of course, there's some downsides to that as well, but I'm cognizant of, but then how do you keep that up? And I'm actually just this morning was thinking about, I'm training another attorney to join Liz Smith Law in estate planning. And I kind of think, well, how much should I tell her about the processes that I've figured out? Because if she, if I don't figure out a better way to do it for herself, rather than, you know, how easy it is to fall into, oh, I'll just do it that way. Um, Right. That's what I was taught. So, so good insight um, that you have that awareness and, and transition. What has surprised you, delighted you? Um, about being in your own business, carrying on, carrying on in a sense, the family business, but in your, your own entity in your own way. Yeah. And um, I think that when we started to get busy in 2019, we were very busy. And right now I still take on a lot of the role in the business um, myself. And um, it, it's a lot of work. Um, what I'm really surprised and also very thrilled to find out is that I still really love it <laughs> despite, uh, working very hard and, um, in some days, uh, just being completely, um, fighting off the feeling of being overwhelmed, uh, when things don't go as they should or, um, and that I think that the, feeling of being in control is a still a good one for me. (laughs) Um, And I was reading something recently um, because I think, uh, I don't know, I'm always on the search of trying to figure out how to better myself so that I can portray myself better to my clients and to serve them better. Um, And so trying to figure out how to fight the feeling of stress um, and to just feel more grounded, even when I'm feeling busy. And I was reading uh, something about um, how to feel less stressed overall, or how do you know that you are in the right industry? And it says something along the lines of, you can be busy and you can feel stressed, but if you get, um, if you still wake up the next day and still feel uh, motivated and ready to go, even after having that bad day, then you're passionate about your business and it's that stress is pushing you forward and moving you forward rather than dragging you down. And I am thrilled to find out that I definitely am still passionate about it. Like I want to get up the next day. I want to continue with this business and make it better. And uh, still love talking to my customers and talking about whales. Like, I guess it's not taken for granted 
that I, that I'm able to do this and that I still really love it even on the bad days. And so I, even though, um, I guess that should be like a, a, like a duh, you should feel that way, but I'm surprised and delighted to find that even after being six years in business and being, um, being busier in some respects than ever before, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> if that, that was a very long-winded answer, Liz. <laughs> oh, no, I think it's a lovely answer. And I don't think that's a duh at all. I think, you know, the easiest thing to do is stick with what you're with and what you know. And it you're evaluating, is this where I still want to be? And do I still love this? And you do. And that's amazing and so much better than just going along with something because it's the current or, or, you know, you started a business and now you should keep it going. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's great. What's the best question you've ever been asked on a tour? Oh man, that is a tough one. There's so many say funniest, questions. but I don't want to make. Fun okay. Okay. Well, <laughs> I was wondering if that was where we were going. I wasn't sure. <laughs> Well, I love and respect for people. Yes. No. So, um, so I was 16 when I got this question and it's still to this day is probably the best one I've gotten. Um, and I, so that a gentleman came up to me and asked me how long it takes for a deer to become a moose. And I at 16 kind of chuckled. And I made some <laughs> snarky 16-year-old comment. And he said, no, like, I'm serious. They're the same species. How long does it take for a deer to become a moose? <laughs> and I then rewound and was like, oh, right. <laughs> so um, actually, and then I gave a, a serious answer. But I think that was also a learning experience for me. As well as still the question that hangs in my mind today. <laughs> All right. That's a new one to me. So thank you for sharing. All right. How Jaylene has Jaylene's Alaska done uh, in the pandemic last two years? We have um, shifted. We were still here. So that's great. We started along with the rest of the seasonal world here started getting huge numbers of cancellations in March when of 2020 when the world kind of started shutting down. Um, I think that we canceled 95% of our overall pre-bookings within like 60 days. So it was our calendar was completely wiped out and we were kind of along for the ride at that point. Um, we were able to refund all of our customers um, and we just said, okay, we're just going to make the best of this year. And so at the, at the heart of the company, it really boils down to me in a boat. Um, and so we were still able to offer that to our passengers in 2020, the ones that were able that and brave enough to still fly up and to travel and to be here. So we did run limited tours in 2020. Um, and then in 2021, it looked like it would be somewhere similar, although what we didn't count on was that independent travel, and what I mean by that is people flying into Juneau, uh, independent of the cruise ships, 
would would be more prevalent in 2021. I think people felt more comfortable there with guidelines and and just I think with traveling in general. So we were actually uh, very busy in 2021, but still only at half capacity. It was just me and one boat, but it was unexpected. Um, and I think people were booking a lot of last minute trips. So my schedule would go from basically empty at the beginning of the week to filling up throughout the week as people got to Juno or saw that the weather was nice. And then we would kind of patchwork together a schedule. So it was just different. It was just, but it gave us confidence in that people will find other ways to travel, ones that they think is safer. And that Juno overall, I think is still a very safe destination for um, visitors. I think people like that Juno is open, but still has um, some safety precautions in regards to it makes people feel good about traveling here. Um, so we're hopeful for this coming summer. Um, we were very pleasantly surprised that last summer was so busy. So I was going to ask how you pivoted, but it sounds like you're, you're there, you're making the offer and you're finding what, what work you can do. Keep going. Yeah, we're, we're hoping to have our second boat up and running this summer. We'll kind of see how things, um, but we more just pivoted in that we decided it was just okay, just go back to this big me and a boat and just to um and then I think uh just making our schedule really flexible too like it was no longer based on the cruise ship schedule and so we made it as flexible as possible for people traveling here um and then we uh man locals really turned out too um I have been able to meet and to tour with so many more locals which is always such a pleasure um I love it um sharing this that experience with locals um and so we kind of we have a we offered during the pandemic a wonderful uh locals discount which definitely I mean I I realized locals most of them know people with a boat or can get out on the boats themselves. But even just being able to offer that, um, yeah, locals just really supported us too. So we're very thankful for that as well. That's great. And not everyone knows someone with a boat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> are you still offering that? Do you want to share what it is? We do. Yeah, we are still offering it. So if locals are flexible and okay with joining a tour that's already going out, we're offering uh, $120 a person, which um, our regular price is $185 a person. So I realize that it's not um, definitely not free, but it's what we love to offer just um, and get locals out on the water enjoying the area around Juneau too. That's great. And if, you know, as people aren't traveling as much and, and enjoying more of their home environment, yeah cheaper than a flight um and I also saw on your website that you're not no longer taking deposits because so many things have been canceled and I'm sure that's just an administrative nightmare for you so I thought yeah. that a wise a wise pivot on your end um in the world everything constantly changing so well I feel like I could talk to you for twice as long and have a lot more to talk about and really enjoy myself 
I know. Likewise. Gosh, I feel like I've just talked off your ear. Liz, thanks for listening to me. <laughs> it's been great. And I think that our guests will enjoy this a lot. It's nice to talk to someone so local and, and having an awesome business model. Um, I want to ask if there's any tip that you'd have for a particular, it can be any type of transition in life that you've experienced so far or that you've learned from someone else. Um, something that you want to share about a life's transition for our audience. Oh man. Um, boy, I don't, I think that with, for me, um, we, especially with, um, the pandemic and going through, um, like I think of the business as my baby. <laughs> and so when the pandemic kind of hit, like I was, uh, kind of, struggling to find my anchor for a little while figuring out um what was gonna and so for me in that transition um I realized that I was um I really um needed time and space that was um well allocated if that makes sense so like um having my space within like my house or my office, um, not so much like clean and tidy, but with intention so that it, rather than being distracted by things, like I would sit down and that would be my office time. But then at the same time, taking like taking walks and being intentional with that time and realizing like now's the time to think in the process. Um, I guess categorization, if that makes sense, like um, compartmentalizing things within my brain within this transition really helped me rather than feeling scatterbrained. It helped me to, um, anchor my life in certain ways so that I didn't, wasn't felt, uh, didn't feel like I was floating. If that makes sense. Like I had needed to be anchored to something new. <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah. um, and so, uh, I, being as young as I am, I think that was one of the, a really big transition for me, um, was dealing with COVID. And I think that's how I kind of got over it a little bit, if that all makes sense. <laughs> Definitely. You strike me as a very intentional person in the way you go about things and, um, and that trying to be, we'll see. <laughs> Uh, Jaylene, how can people find Jaylene's Alaska? Um, you can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook. You can Google um, Jaylene's Alaska or whale watching in Juneau. Um, and those are probably the easiest ways. Um, our website has our contact information on it, but so does our Facebook and our Instagram as well. All right. We will link to those things as well. And thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. This is a blast. Thank you for inviting me. I really appreciate it. And someday, Isabel, I'll get out with you. Yes, that would be a blast. I would love to tour with both of you. <laughs> Great. How fun. That's all for this week. You can find show notes for this show and prior episodes and future episodes at lizsmithlaw.com. And if you're interested in scheduling a meeting with us to find out what your next step would be for your estate planning, 
visit us at bit.ly slash mygiftfromlsl. Again, that's bit.ly slash mygiftfromlsl. Or find the link at lizmithlaw.com. We look forward to seeing you again right here, same place, same time, two weeks from now. Thank you so much.